Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham, although today we are not together, going back to the usual format. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes. As soon as they post, our most recent episode was from Dolphins Camp about the introduction of Brian Flores. We did touch on a little bit of Heat, Dolphins, Marlins and Panthers and Canes and that also kind of getting into where all these teams fit in the South Florida landscape. So make sure you check that one out. Also type in five reasons sports to your podcast provider. And that way you'll get all of our other podcasts in the network. We now have 15 total and that includes Miami heat beat, which just put out an episode yesterday, a big trade deadline extravaganza with the heat. So in addition to what you talk, we talk about here, make sure you check out, what they said, also three yards per carry for sure on Brian Flores and his coaching staff and where the Dolphins are going. And then a really good episode of the Fish Tank with Patrick Sertan, one of the great players in recent Dolphin history. All right, we're going to go back to the heat today. And there was the State of the Union last night. There was the Democratic response. And now this is the five reasons heat response to that. The state of the heat, Chris Winningham, <laughs> is stuck. Yeah. And I don't know if you have a better word than that, but that's the one that kind of stuck yeah, in my head i mean overnight you're, you're it's basically all going to come back to the same thing i mean you could go with turgid uh you can go with uh you know i i i think stuck is probably appropriate it's probably the correct word even despite last night what i thought was a really strong performance and a solid performance by them in a win in portland yeah i thought they were great last night actually and, and what's frustrating about it is that that effort is in them uh there were a couple of things that were different last night i thought than we've seen before obviously there was a change to the starting lineup James Johnson, who'd been really ineffective, two of his previous three starts. He didn't have a shot attempt or a rebound in the first half, which is really tough to do as an NBA starting power forward. So Kelly Olynyk was moved in for him. thought the rotations were a little bit better last night. You know, Winslow got off to a slow start in terms of his shooting. I thought he played better as the game went on. And let's acknowledge this. Son Whiteside's been good for about two weeks now. Yeah. Uh, he was really good last night. Like, he made an impact on the game. He was hustling. He wasn't moping. Uh, he made that jumper, which usually Spolster would, would kill him for. But in the course of everything else that he's doing, if he's feeling shooting it, well, I don't shooting have well from the free throw line, too, which has been a problem for him. You kind of I think he went. I don't know because uh, I haven't been you know fully investigating his free throw form, but he went back to the old style. And he went six to seven from the line last night. So, yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. I thought he was fantastic in that first half. Uh, they were talking about him at halftime on the TNT players only broadcast, which generally I'm not a fan of. But every once mm. in a while, there is a golden nugget of wisdom. And I think Shaq was pretty pretty clearly and correctly pointing out what Hassan has to do as a big man who doesn't get post touches, which is, you know, run, run the center of the floor, stick your hands up and, and either make them give you the ball or fight for offensive rebounds and do the things that maybe bigs don't like. I, I just find fascinating, like when Hassan is going to realize that the offense is never going to run through him. And if it just, he just ever gets to his head that he can make, he can impact the game significantly in other ways as he did last night without ever touching the ball in the post once. But if, if you just embrace that, that he would be this player more often. Yeah, but we've said that for a while. And right, so, exactly. You know, look, I, I'm going to take the two weeks for what they are, sure. which is this is, you know, he's he has peaks and valleys. This is a peak. You know, hope the next valley is not too low. I don't know that he's ever going to sort of put that in his head. He views himself as an all-star center. He views himself as a Shaq, right? And so mm -hmm. Shaq was never content with just running down the floor and putting his hands up and getting offensive rebounds. Shaq wanted post-ups. And it's just not the same NBA, and Whiteside is just not Shaq in that regard. Yeah. And, and not just as a finisher and, and a post-up player, but as a passer out of the post mm -hmm. is a big problem for him. And, you know, but he did make a couple passes last night. There were a couple times he got on the floor, and so it was better. And so I think... Well, we look at with this heat season, and I know Alf, you know, Sydney from Miami Heat Beats always giving us a hard time about this because he says, look, they're a 500 team. We overreact when they're bad. We overreact when they're good. They're going to run off three or four games in a row. They're going to win games you don't expect them to win. They lose to Chicago at home. They beat Portland on the road in the first game of a road trip. I mean, it's just Portland was, was home for five days, okay? I mean, they had plenty of time to prepare for the heat and, and lost them. They're just a hard team to figure out because they're a B-minus team in every single regard. Mm -hmm. And so... Their players may, you know, sort of peak up to a B plus and then go back down to a C minus. And 
when they have the C minus games together, they lose. And and that's kind of where they are right now. And, right. And, and like, I, I heard um, Ira Winderman on the radio talking about this, which is like when, when they talk about after the game, after the Chicago loss, oh, we really shouldn't be losing these teams uh, to teams that are below us or that, or that we're better than. And that basically the Heat have no room to think that they're better than anybody. Right. And that really is the part of this model that they've built is that they are paying players as if they've arrived or as if they have have a significant base of talent when they don't have either of those things. Those players haven't arrived and they don't have a significant base of talent. So if they ever arrive at a game in which they think they're better than the opponent, they're going to lose because they like basically the 30 and 11, as much as we talk about it and everything that happened there, it was built on a foundation of effort, wasn't it? It was built on we're just trying harder than everyone else. We are we are going to you know do everything that we can from an effort standpoint to win these games. We're gonna you know sacrifice for the team. We're playing for our contracts. It was that perfect formula of NBA players trying their hardest and understanding that you'd expect that every night. It's hard to deliver at 82 games a year. And if you see Chicago on this again, yeah, we'll just beat Chicago. Whereas generally in the NBA, how you overcome uh, that difference is in talent, a talent that the Heat just don't have. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think we've sort of overanalyzed this team so much this year because we're looking for it to break out one way or the other, mm-hmm. and it's just not going to happen, sure. right? I mean, and I think they recognize it. I mean, they are a, you know, a 6-10 to 10 seed in, in you know, a depleted Eastern Conference, at least at the bottom end. And and so it's just a week-to-week thing, and it's not good enough for this fan base. It's not good enough because that's never what this franchise has settled for. It's never, it's, and it's not good in the modern NBA. So we've kind of, we've talked that to death um, for sure. I think what we have to talk about now again is sort of how you make some kind of incremental improvement before Thursday's deadline, Thursday afternoon, to sort of at least make the fans feel like something is happening to make this better, right? And I don't know, and we're going to go through the various possibilities here again in terms of what directions they could go in. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I do want to touch on before we get to that is that overnight, if you're just waking up to this, okay, there was a trade last night at about, what, one or two in the morning? It was like two, I was looking at the timestamps. It was like 2.20 in the morning uh, that this trade was consummated. Yeah, so there was a trade last night, and it was one that nobody sees coming. And this is what happens. We have all these, you know, national NBA writers and all the rest of this. We're talking Anthony Davis and then boom, Porzingis and boom, last night, Tobias Harris. Mm -hmm. And Tobias Harris is a really good player. If you look at Tobias Harris's metrics, this is a guy who's shooting 43% from three. He's nearly 50% from the field. But the Clippers, look, Jerry West, when he came in here, the plan was not to stockpile Tobias Harris's. The plan is to get Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, right? And so... What they're trying to do with the Clippers is what the Heat used to try to do. It's what the Lakers are trying to do. It's what the Knicks are trying to do now, which was accumulate as much cap space as possible. They weren't going to re-sign Tobias Harris, most likely. And they end up picking up a couple of first-round picks from Philadelphia. There's a lot of flotsam in this trade, too. But basically, the two first-round picks, one of which is that (laughs) multi-time traded (laughs) pick that was originally the Heat's, actually, that it's, now it is, belongs it's, to the it's their 2021 first round pick. And, and, and it's, it's the trade we talked all the time. It's a, it's the pick we talked about with the Dragic trade. And again, uh, I, and I think you look at now, you know, what's happening with what two first round picks will get you. And, and I think that it, the heat <laughs> didn't get nearly enough for their two first round picks. And the fact that it is now, and, and Woj in his tweet called it one of the prime pick assets in the NBA, one of the prime pick assets in the NBA is the Heat's 2021 unprotected first-round pick. And again, we talk about any number of different ways that they've screwed this up. Um, myself and Giancarlo Navas were debating last night uh, about the merits of what the Sixers did. Um, and, and for me, the fact that I think they screwed it up royally with the Fultz trade, but that they still have a chance. And the one thing I forgot to include is they have the Heat's pick. They have the Heat's pick. All, all the Heat fans love having a go at the Sixers because of the process and what have they done, and they've only won one, one round of the playoffs, again, against the Heat. And then they use your pick. Your, they acquired your pick to go and, and, and trade for a fourth guy that might help them in the playoffs. And, again, you just look at what it takes to successfully acquire players in the NBA and the fact that the Heat – are out again the most valuable pick asset in the NBA uh, and and five of their second round picks 
it just accentuates that the Heat have gotten this all wrong. And that in the NBA, it's not just about cap space. It's about, I mean, look at what the, again, I, I hasten to say, look at what the Knicks have done. But look at what the Knicks have done. They might have, this year, the first pick in the draft, their full complement of picks, plus two first-round picks from Dallas. Look at what the Clippers have done. They they are going to have an almost unlimited amount of cap space this summer and two first-round picks uh, that, that they acquired in this trade, one from Philly and one from Miami, that you then you, you have to have everything. And the fact that the Heat have nothing is, again, something that we, like, it just is further crystallized by this trade. Either you are a team that's cashing it, cashing it in to go all-in, which the Heat did, let's say, with Goran Dragic, again, I think you have to get a better player than Goran Dragic if you're going to go all in, but that's how they went all in. And now they're, they're, they went all in and they've got one for one playoff series win to show for it. And it's just, it's not enough. It's not enough. And, and I, I think when you look at what the Clippers are doing, what the Knicks are doing, that's kind of the track that the Heat have to follow. Unfortunately, I, I guess they just don't have the thing. I, we talk about Hassan maybe improving. That's not enough to get anything. I just don't know, unless they're willing to part with Winslow or Richardson, and even then, if you're getting something as attractive as what the Clippers just got for Tobias Harris. So, again, we talk about being stuck, but you have to have cap space and draft capital to really cash in. If the Clippers went and signed Kevin Durant or they signed Kawhi Leonard, they then have the capital to trade for a second guy and build their roster that way. You have to have everything in this league. Yeah, and you, you do, and and the Heat don't have any of it, and and that's the issue, right? I mean, you you don't have the cap space. We've talked about that ad infinitum. You don't have the draft picks because, I mean, we, we talk all the time about the first-round picks, right, and that they have, other than this two, this one pick, they have the rest of their first rounders. They have no second rounders None. <laughs> so, for five so years for five years. So it's like the types of picks that you would throw in, like just to sort of sweeten a deal. OK, here, take my second. Right. Take it. Mm-hmm. OK, you, maybe we don't protect it. Right. Like there are different levers when you're making a trade where you can go a little further and a little further and a little further. And the problem that the Heat have when they're trying to make any kind of a trade at this stage is that really there are only two things that the Heat can offer because they, they don't have picks that they can really offer. And if Pat does that, right, that's going to really frustrate the fan base. I saw a rumor out there about them dumping uh, another first-round pick. I don't think that's going to go over at this point. Like, you know, I mean, that we say they need to do something. Like, if they do that, I mean, that's okay. just... Okay, no, you know what? Okay, you know what? I, actually, I, I do want to slightly object to that. So if they gave up their first-round pick this year, which, again, uh, it, could, it could be, you know, 15... Or it could be, you know, just outside the lottery. So right now, uh, they are in the eighth playoff spot at 25 and 27, which would be, at worst, the 15th pick in the draft. If they then fell out, uh, I, I, I got to go to the tankathon.com page. But, I mean, if they then fell out, the, the best that they can do at 25 and 27 is get into the 13th lottery position ahead of the Lakers. That gives you a 4.8% chance to get into the top four. Like, would you trade your first-round pick this year that is probably going to be 13, if not 15, in exchange for someone taking James Johnson and Deion Waiters off your hands? I mean, I would think about it. I mean, I think that's the only way that I could justify trading a Mm first-round pick is if you're getting rid of one of these contracts. And unfortunately, you know, what's going to happen then is, and we'll probably be among those doing it, is if they have to do that to dump a, a you know a player that they said mm-hmm. was going to be an easily tradable movable contract <laughs> when they signed it yeah i, I mean it, it then it compounds you know what right. is but but you know what I, I heard i heard a great point by Christian Hernandez on heat beat the other night which is we have to uh, we we can't still be talking about sunk costs these are sunk costs. You can't keep, you know, compounding errors because you don't want to admit that this is a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. And so if you want to admit that, uh, unless you're just cool with, you know, serving out two more years worth of James Johnson and Deion Waiters, um, and then, you know, and Kelly Olynyk as well, I, although I think you could trade Kelly Olynyk, who I thought, by the way, when he starts, he facilitates the offense. I just think he's important to what the Heat does. But if you understand that these are sunk costs and there's no amount of career re- have you're going to do with these guys uh, to get them to a place where they look more attractive or you're trading them in, in in a year's time as an expiring contract like you just you you want to be done with it so you can have uh, the asset I mean unless you think that you can find another BAM which by the way I think the Heat are well capable of doing like I think they should really trust themselves in the draft but unless if you can get rid of both these guys and all it takes is this first round pick and you get your your, your pick back next year I mean as much as I am someone who's a, who who doesn't like that, 
I mean, I, I can at least understand if it's 13 because if you wanted to trade it on draft night after you've realized that it's 15, you're not going to get back. Like, basically, pick, picks are really only ideas more than they are actual practical things that are valuable on draft night. So I, 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 I don't think I would mind it if you were able to get rid of both. I wouldn't do one. If you're able to get rid of both for a first-round pick, I think I would do it, um, you know, depending on what you get back and, and, and maybe you can get a second-round pick back. But in the Heat's current position, which is – Eighth in the East. Uh, and I don't think, by the way, if you trade James Johnson or Deion Waiters, that you'd be necessarily harming your chances to make the playoffs. Um, you might make them better. I mean, I hate to say this. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And I, I the saw reality you- is you might make them better. You're, you're, uh, you're uncluttering the rotation. Right. You're, you're forcing uh, this organization to play Bam and Olenek uh, more, okay, mm-hmm. which I think is good for them. You're you're bringing back Goron at some point. If, if uh, We have to talk about that possibility. But yep. bringing, and that's, that's an upgrade from from waiters a significant upgrade we'll get back to today's episode of the five reasons podcast in a second but first i want to tell you about one of our great sponsors and that is doral toyota Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305 680-1129 or come in the dealership. You will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. You tweeted this last night, and I totally agree with you. Like, in some ways, injuries help them, which is not which is not a, a a place you want to be in as a franchise, right? Where it's like, oh, the only way we can figure out a rotation is if someone gets hurt. You're relying on an injury, and even then, the Heat had a pretty severe injury in Dragic, and they still don't have rotation clarity. It's multiple injuries that they need to really figure this out. So, I mean, if you if you allocated James Johnson and Deion Waiters is 46 minutes. By the way, I thought James Johnson was good last night, uh, but I, I I just sort of wonder, uh, you know, looking at making that trade, getting off the $30 million, maybe taking back half as much and, and, and giving up a first-round pick and maybe getting a second. Like I, I'd think about it. I don't, I don't know if it's something that I'm, I'm willing to do because obviously you know, that, that's, that's you know, a pretty clear indication that we screwed up in a massive way. But I, 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 do, I, w- I would absolutely consider a salary dump trade with this year's pick because, again, I mean, I don't think Detroit's good enough. I don't think uh, Washington is good enough to catch Miami. We're too far down the road with that. And so Miami's probably going to make the playoffs. You're probably giving up a pick that's in the teens. So I, I, I think I might be okay with it. As, Which as much as generally uh, both. If I, could say to, if, I, Chris, if I could say to you one, right? If I could say to you one, this I, is the one contract. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't do one. I would do two. Even if it's Olenek. If it's Olenek and James Johnson. Uh, definitely James, James Johnson is my number one priority uh, because as much as we hate the waiters contract, it's for a pretty sizably less amount of money. Uh, whereas you look at what's left on James Johnson, he's got a 15, one next year and 15, eight the following year. And it's, those are just such big numbers that take you out of the game. I, I would say James Johnson is the one, but if I'm, if I'm trading a first round pick, I'm, I, it's only to unload two of them. So, so James Johnson, I don't think you're unloading uh, Tyler or Whiteside. No, uh, no, no, no. And, 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 and this has been my whole point about them all along. Like we're talking about Hassan's played well for two weeks. I don't think to other teams, it makes any difference. No. It, it's, it's a marginal difference for the Heat. Doesn't make any difference for anybody else. Nobody's taking Hassan I guess, off. So, so I guess the, the only way that it would matter is if there's a team somewhere that's in the playoff race that would need, you know, the offensive rebounding, the block shots, and that presence. Who'd be willing to part with something for it? And like, I, I just, I just don't see that being possible at the amount of salary that Hassan costs. Right, so I think I think Boston could actually like as an upgrade on what Aaron Baines is supposed to be for them, and you know maybe allowing Al Horford to play uh, a bit less of an interior defending position that might help them. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, you know what, there just aren't that many teams that that need this particular skill set because you really only need one, and like you know Houston's got Capella. The Thunder have Steven Adams. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe he might work with Jokic, but that's, I mean, defensively, that's that's hard to, to figure out. I mean, there just aren't that many teams that need this player. So, and and I guess... Would I he mean, be an upgrade in Toronto? 
over Valanciunas. Over, I guess they play Ibaka in that position as well. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think the way that Nick Nurse is trying to set that team up that that they would want Whiteside. Right, and then Boston, no, no, uh, he's, not, he's yeah. not a fifth there. I, 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 think, I think he could be if there was a salary to come back, but I, I don't, I don't know what that salary is. Unless, right. unless they give you Gordon Hayward, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, right. which you get, which you get, might free things up. But I, I don't know if Boston's really ready to give up on that just yet. And Indiana, you know, I don't know what position they're in right now. I don't know if they go for it. I, I'm confused about them because I, you know, they fell apart for four games without Oladipo, and then they beat the Lakers by 41. And LeBron sat on the other side of the gym from his teammates last night. So I, I don't, I don't know where mm-hmm. the Pacers are going. I don't know if that's an option. Milwaukee, uh, Thon Maker, you know, once out of there, yeah. um, uh, maybe. But Brooke Lopez is playing so many minutes and playing so well, that, and like, and and it kind of fulfills fulfills the role in a way that you'd want him to. Uh, right. Which is you know playing from the outside and shooting threes. That's on it's on three point eight three point three million. So I mean unless 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 Milwaukee wants to like dump Tony Snell and maybe give you George Hill as the uh, as as the, as the incentive to do that. I mean I don't I, I don't I don't know how I, again. And this is really the problem with the Heat and and the trade machine, which is the problem of the summer of 2017, is that it was discussed as, you know, all right, you're getting a bunch of these mid-level salaries that are the perfect uh, salaries to line up in a trade, and yet when it comes down to really look for a team that wants to value your players, there just isn't that team out there like I, I don't they're think... not special players this is right. this whole thing they're not look if you're going to get somebody to value you have to provide some skill set that another team desperately needs now you mentioned with Hassan offensive rebounding is and shot blocking that's a skill set for him but it comes with the other deficiencies that do you want to bring him is he the kind of guy that you can bring into your organization and tell him hey we need you to as we talked about earlier in this pod we need you to do this for 13 to 17 minutes a night you're probably not going to finish a lot of games unless we're having problems you know sort of protecting the paint but 13 to 17 minutes go really hard during that you're going to have a chance to contend for a title would he buy into that i don't think he's at the stage of his life or his career where he would even do that i don't know that he'll ever be you look at the other guys tyler johnson's a nice player but there's nothing that he does that other teams can't find somewhere. Okay. Even a Wayne Ellington, and we're going to talk more about him, but even a Wayne Ellington, you know, the Lakers went out and got Reggie Bullock, you know, Bullock, uh, who's not Wayne Ellington, but he's a capable, you sure. know, NBA range shooter. So you can find these things in and, other and, places. And like, so for example, you know, I was, I was listening to a, a great conversation about the buyout market. And like, if you're an NBA team, and I was thinking about, and I thought of Wayne Ellington immediately. So if Wes Matthews could become available after the Knicks release or you know buy him out or whatever, um, w- w- are, are, if you can have him for you know a vet's minimum, are you then going to pay a first round pick to get to get Wayne Ellington? No, like uh, if th- if those kinds of players are going to be available uh, and you know can help you like. They were, they were talking about the Warriors getting him, which is just like infuriating to me. But and, and again, and that, and that's the other thing too about Whiteside is that I mean, who among the Heat's players that you'd want to get rid of, if you're a Western Conference team thinking about trading for one of these players, is helping you beat the Warriors? Hassan Whiteside is definitely not one of them. I mean, like, and and that's something we saw last year in the playoffs with Whiteside is that he he's going to get run off the floor at times in the postseason, if not all the time. And so, especially against Golden State, like if you're Denver who might need a little bit of interior defending, you know, rim protection, uh, you know, and maybe look at Whiteside as a way to fix that. If if you play the Warriors, is he going to help you? No. And so, uh, th- these are these are the issues again that keep rising. Is you know the the, the league and and the way that it, and, and the way that everything has changed in, in a year and a half has conspired to make these players lacking in value. Right, and the other thing is, it's not just Whiteside on the tall end of the spectrum, but it's also two of the guys you paid are small guards, and you know a lot of those guys are not as effective in the postseason when you need to switch everything. So you know what use is another as a contender going to have for Tyler Johnson right Mm -hmm. because you can't play him in certain series we saw that last year right I mean it just didn't work very well right I mean he basically was unplayable you know Wayne Ellington was unplayable in that playoff series unfortunately I mean that was the reality of it what kind of what happened to Wayne this year started in the Philly series I was you know after that I was a little surprised they brought him back except that it was a one-year deal and it wasn't outrageously expensive and they figured again that they could move him but Wayne and Tyler were not effective in that series. And, you know, for James Johnson's perspective, I mean, he's look, I I understand kind of what they were going for there. He was kind of a, 
you know, a very poor man's LeBron, right? Like, so can do multiple things on the court for you. The problem is whenever James Johnson is doing those things, it takes away from somebody else who does them better, right? Mm -hmm. So you you tried to make James Johnson a 35% three-point shooter, but if you have guys who are 37, 38% three-point shooters and he regresses a little bit, you don't want him taking three-point shots. If, you know, you made him a ball handler, you put the ball in his hands, it worked for a little while, but wouldn't you rather have the ball in your point guard's hands or at this point, Justice Winslow's hands? So, or developing Josh Richardson in that way. So the, the rationale at the time just hasn't played out with any of these guys. And that's what makes it so challenging. I want to pivot here just a little bit because I mentioned there are a bunch of different ways that the team can go. Sure. And like I said, there are teams like Philadelphia, Golden State, Houston. They can make any trade and they know they're going to get somebody in the buyout market to replace whatever it is that they lost. Right. I mean, this is what, ha- you know, Philly added two guys last year. This is what the Heat did. Uh, during the big three era, it didn't work out so well at times. Mike Bibby didn't work out. Roni Turioff was, eh. you know, Chris Anderson was not buyout. He was a guy that just a lot of teams didn't want to touch, but they, they had sort of limited success with that. They, they did their damage in the off season, adding Battier and Allen, you know, at below market. Okay. Way below market in terms of, you know, what those guys could have made. I look back at it. Ray Allen made what 9 million over three years is here. Uh, you know, Shane Battier was in that ballpark too. So, I mean, they did really well with those contracts because they, they had a, an attractive situation. They don't anymore. Um, so basically the only two things that they can offer to teams are a will strap a pick or an asset to get rid of this bad contract. Okay. Or we're going to give you all of our assets to try to get one player who's better than any of the three. Like that's really the only two places that the heat can go. Whereas Mm -hmm. all these other teams, Boston, Philadelphia has all these options. We'll give you a second. We'll give you a first. Okay. We'll protect it this way. We'll do, you know, we have a young player that, that you may like. So the heat are in this spot. So there's a number of different ways that they could go here on Thursday. You talked about one of them, which is sort of strapping a draft pick to somebody uh, and trying to get that person out of the building or as you're saying, two people. The other option is to go for a player who's better than players that you have. I don't see any way that that happens. Like, that's the one of all of the possibilities that would stun me. They were not in the picture for Porzingis. They were not in the picture for Kawhi, although I heard they made everybody available. The Jimmy Butler thing got to a certain point. Uh, We still really haven't totally figured out exactly why it exploded at the end because there were two different stories. Um, Obviously, Anthony Davis, the reports are that the Heat were not even considered by him. At any stage, and that may be a cap space issue. It may be a Rich Paul issue, but it's the reality of it. Um, and you know, we saw Tobias Harris move yesterday. The Heat would never would have been in the picture for them. Is there any player out there that you can see that they could make a run for who would be better than what they currently have? If they did like a three for one style trade, yeah. um, yes. I just trade I, three of their assets, three of the young kids, or or a first round yeah. pick with the kids or whatever. So I guess like I mean, if well, if like Charlotte, if if you did. Kemba, but I, I don't know if Charlotte wants. I, I think Charlotte wants to make the playoffs. Charlotte, um, Charlotte's going in for Gasol. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, they're not selling. Would you would you go in for Conley? I mean, that contract, man. I I am I am a Mike Conley stan. Okay, I mean, he's mm-hmm. my favorite player in the league that hasn't made an All Star game, but and he makes his team much better when he plays. But thirty seven, thirty eight million dollars. I mean, I yeah. So he's on. I, I so he's he's on uh, thirty two five next year. And he has a early termination option for thirty four five the following year. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. a lot of it's no, a lot yeah, of money. It's, and and I mean, who so what? for a guy who can't be your best player, right? I mean he, I mean when Memphis was really competitive, mm-hmm. it, was, it was Conley, Randolph, and Gasol together. Did they, did did they ever get to the Western Finals? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, really, I really like Mike Conley. I just think in in terms of like restoring the sanity of Heat fans, uh, that they, they would uh, gladly welcome uh, a a player like Mac, Mike Conley. Cause I just think he's so competent and 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 isn't any kind of frustrating and and just does all the right things all the time. Um, so if you did, but I guess if you're if you're Memphis, what do you want out of that? I mean, I guess maybe uh, you take Goran Dragic back and hope that he hops out. Um, and then maybe the Heat can give them, uh, you know, one of the one of the three years. I, I, th- of- I think I think it would have to be Olenek because uh, at least there's value there. I mean, they're sure. not going to want James Johnson. James Johnson's been in Memphis too, a different regime. Yeah. But I, I don't. So, think so would there. you do? Would you do Conley if you're Memphis? Would you Conley for Dragic and Olenek? I mean, I might. I might. I mean, Olenek at 14 million as somebody starting four is not bad. But remember that they also, mm-hmm. you know, they drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't sure. know what position they see for him long term. Mm-hmm. Um, he would fit okay with Olenek. 
though, actually. I mean, in terms of what he offers athletically, I guess there's a possibility there. The other thing with Memphis is it's really hard to know. They, they've had so many different sort of cooks the past few years. I mm-hmm. mean, whether it's been Chris Wallace and the owner is kind of involved and Levian, there's a lot of people in that organization that Hollinger is still there doing the numbers. I, I don't know, you know, what it is that particularly that they're looking for. I mean, this year they started hotter than anybody was expecting, and now they've kind of come back to the pack and they're going to move these guys. Uh, I, I don't know. They might. I think if you're the Heat, you look at it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. But then you have to make this decision. You say, okay, if you think that Goron may opt out and give you a team-friendly deal in a year, would you move that to lock yourself into you know, $65, $66 million of Mike Conley over a couple of seasons? Because I'm mm-hmm. assuming he opts into that with yeah. his injury history. So you're talking about $66 million for a guy who is, you know, at his best is, is a slight upgrade to Goron. Um, he's better than Goron, I think, yeah. but because he's better I, he, defensively. He, and, and much more of a point guard for me. I, I don't think Goran Dragic is really that much of a point guard. He averages about five assists a game, but I just don't think he has, like... He creates for himself. He right, creates, he, cre- he creates for himself, and, and he's a decent passer and a decent playmaker, but not... I don't think he has the instincts of an out-and-out point guard, whereas I think Mike Conley does. Uh, another one, again, you can, you can you know, certainly debate it is C.J. McCollum. Uh, yeah. I, I think if, if you did, what, Olenek, Josh Richardson, and Magruder for McCollum, would that be an upgrade enough for you? Yeah, I don't think Portland does it now. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it strikes me that, you know, Portland picking up Rodney Hood and giving up, you know, picks to get him, which was odd to me. I mean, Rod- Rodney Hood's numbers are Deion Waiters. If you look mm-hmm. at Rodney yeah. Hood over his career, like they're the same player. I, I he's not. I just don't know not, if if Portland's deal is that they stink in the playoffs and they got swept off the floor by New Orleans. Like Rodney Hood was a catastrophe in the playoffs last year. Like unplayable. Like, like like you can't have Rodney Hood playing a, a team that's in the playoffs. Like I, I just I, I I don't know why you'd go anywhere near him to be honest. Well, uh, unless unless they are planning on moving McCollum. In which mm-hmm. case, then you're, you're saying you're putting uh, Hood's a little bigger than McCollum. Yeah, maybe you're thinking you put him at the two with Dame, and it's a better fit long term. Um, maybe and and maybe maybe some of the Heat's assets. But again, what do you want from there? I mean, they're starting Nurkic. I mean, they had an interest in Whiteside a long time ago. It's the same. It's basically the same front office. I mean, obviously the owner has passed, but it's the same front office. I I don't know. Josh Richardson though, as as a you know two three wing with Hood would give you some length at those spots with Damian. They really like, you know, Aminu. So you have a mix of players you could throw in there. But I don't know. I don't know that it makes them materially better. As far as the Heat goes, I mean, I like C.J. McCollum. To me, he is what he is now. He's a number two on a good team, right? A, a number two or three. He's not – I don't think he's a lead. I don't think he's a lead. Whereas Bradley Beal is a lead guy. I, I, think, Bra- I, I think Bradley Beal is – He's significantly I do, better. I, I, I do wonder if there's something there with McCollum though, because he's, he's played next to Lillard his whole his whole career, and so I, I do wonder if there is another level of CJ McCollum that's there that if he wasn't playing next to Dame Lillard well, that, we that we see, would see. Are we seeing that from Beal now with Wall out? Right. I mean, I mean and, but even then, I mean, Beal isn't really helping the Wizards win that much. Like they're still losing plenty of games. Uh, right. But but no, but I, I I agree. I think Beal you know has another 
10% of his game that you don't get to see because he's playing next to John Wall all the time, and John Wall always has the ball. Go back to our episode. I want to introduce you to another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Berlitz Brower. This is the best place to learn a language in South Florida. I can speak to it personally. My daughter already fluent in English and Spanish. We decided to introduce her to Mandarin. She's not even five years old, and she's already out speaking Mandarin, knows all of the numbers up to 100, and she loves it. She loves to go back because the way that they work with her, the way that they teach her, and they also work with me as a parent with her schedule to make sure that it fits in with everything else she's doing. You can also learn languages as an adult. They teach many different languages there. Again, English, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, right across the board. They teach virtually every language that you can possibly name. Here's the number that you call, 954-743-0077. That's 954-743-0077. Mention that Five Reasons sent you. They'll take care of you. Never too early to learn a new language. How about Gordon Hayward? Yeah, I thought about this. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking. I watched him the other night. Uh, he's a long way away. I, yeah. I don't think. I, I I don't think it's just uh, the injury. I do think it's what I don't know if it was David Thorpe who said it when he was on with us uh, that it, he just he his confidence looks shot and 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 then he's also playing on a team that has too many ball handlers and he can't do what he does. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, Paul George is all the way back now, right? Like, yep. I mean, to me, that's the comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Paul George is probably a little better than Gordon Hayward before both got injured. But, I mean, they were in a similar class. And Paul George is all the way back. He was not all the way back last year. He was really good last year. This year, he's like MVP level. Now, can Gordon Hayward get back to being really good? Maybe in a year or two years. Obviously, the Heat really liked him. He really liked them. Spolstra made a really impressive presentation to him. He almost came here. If the, Heat, if the Heat had signed him, they would have sold him like the next big thing. It's going to be harder to sell now. I mean, yeah. it's going to be harder to sell now. I mean, it's. I mean, he he looks like damaged goods physically and emotionally. But you, and but you, so, so you mentioned you mentioned Paul George. Can you believe this? It's been nearly four years since that injury happened, and yeah. the and, and this year is the first time that we've seen Paul George at a level. It's like, oh yeah, that was the Paul George before he got hurt. It's been four years, and right. so. I, I do th- I do wonder if maybe there is value there with Gordon Hayward. Again, uh, Boston's a team that's really trying to win. But again, what so if you were to say what does Boston need right now, what would you say that thing is other than just like it might be another Heat situation where if they just like took on a, a lesser player but it, it more clearly established the roles of the rest of the team that might be better. But I, I just I, what does what does Boston need right now? What could the Heat offer them that they would need? Well, Boston is like supersized Miami. Boston has too yeah. many players, but they're better right. uh, than Miami's, which makes it even harder because they have bigger egos. So, like sure. uh, w- the one, the one thing that the Heat have not had to deal with is, like, okay, so Dion, you know, may get irritated, and Hassan may get irritated, and you're like, okay, we overpaid you, go back to the bench. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not like dealing with, you know, if if Kyrie, you know, ha- is irritated that other guys are touching the ball, or mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward was the best player on Utah. And, Al Horford has been an all-star and all and right. all the other things. You're, 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 tell, you're telling guys that led a team to Game Seven of the Eastern Finals against LeBron to you know sit on the bench now. Like right, that, like Jalen Brown has looked has looked bad this year as yeah. a result. Of it. And Jalen Brown was a really good player in the playoffs from the last year. And mm-hmm. we've talked about Tatum's numbers, which are are in all the wrong places this year as compared to last year. So it's different. So what do they need? I don't think there's anything that he can. I mean, Deion Waiters doesn't help them in any way. He wouldn't play. Yeah. Uh, James Johnson does. I mean, they have glue pieces in uh, Marcus Morris has basically been exactly what the Heat wanted James Johnson to be. And look at the price that Boston got Marcus Morris for. He's been terrific this year. Marcus Smart uh, does all those glue things for them. And and so and they they're, he's the type of guy that. You know, it's like Spolster with Winslow, like Stevens is not going to cut Marcus Smart's minutes. He wants him on the floor for all the things he does that don't show up in the box score. So I, I, I don't think that there's I just don't think there's anything there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, unless Boston is just so desperate to clear out the contract. But I don't know that Gordon Hayward's presence on that roster is what's hurting him. They've moved him to the bench. He's playing like 15 to 20 minutes at most. I, it's not it's not paramount for them mm-hmm. to dump it now. And and I think they'll be in position. They have these extra picks, Boston does, that they can strap to him maybe in the offseason if they want to unload him somewhere else when they get a clearer picture of what Anthony Davis has done or is gonna do or any of these other guys and maybe what Kyrie's intentions are. I, I don't I don't see it. I, I so so when we look at it, you know, you mentioned Hayward, I've mentioned Beal. 
you know, Washington may be falling out of it, but it seems like the Wizards are always pushing for the playoffs. They never want to go the other direction. And now they have, they have, can we say they have the biggest disaster in the league right now? I, I, I mean, the John yeah. Wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wall thing. Combined, combined with the Porter thing too, because it's not like Porter's a plus asset. Mahin me too. Like, I mean, we talk about the Heat's disaster. I mean, John Wall on on an Achilles injury that's required multiple surgeries. Um, it's just oh my god, my god. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's I mean, a, it's a complete. And I was and I was like someone who's trying to come up with ways to trade for him. So I'll, I'll certainly you know take my share of the blame for you know wanting to take on that problem. But my god, I mean Washington. Uh, they, they might as well just start Brooklyning right now, right? Like, like, just strip it for parts, get picks, and and try and figure out a post John Wall era because it's going to be four years before they're any kind of good. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I, th- I think Washington right now in terms of situations with the cap, uh, he, the Heat might be 29th, but Washington are 30th. Yeah, no, I think Washington's in the worst place. And what's interesting is. Uh, Ernie Grunfeld's got to be top five in terms of longest tenured in the NBA. Oh yeah, he's been there forever. Path. He's been there forever. Right. I mean, I mean, it's basically when I think of guys who've been in the same organization if that long, it's it's Ernie, it's Pat, and it's Pop and Buford, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's not a. I mean, Chicago has turned over. I mean, uh, you know, Pax and and Foreman have been there a long time, but not as long. I mean, they've he, been there. He was, as long he was as hired as- by the Washington Wizards as pres- president of basketball operations in June 2003. Yeah, I mean, you're talking 16th 16 year. Years. Yeah, yeah, it's madness. I mean, I, it's it's got to be top five in the NBA. Okay, uh, so so, so I, I'm I'm going through the Heat's uh, cap sheet right now. Um, so I would say Hassan and Tyler might have more value next year as expirings uh, to 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 fill out a trade. I think that it might actually help them. Um, so what do you think that the best the Heat can do for Goran Dragic is? It's an interesting one. Um, and again, we're 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 ruling out. I think we're ruling out the possibility of them getting a player who's better than anybody they have because I sure. think we've gone through the list, and I, I just mm-hmm. don't see anybody because clearly Philly is not dumping Butler now, right? So if yeah, if they're they're all in, right? They're all in. They're going to pay those four guys. They're going to pay the tax. They're going to pick up buyout guys. They're going to try to get guys to come in for exceptions. Uh, that that's the direction um, that they're going to go from. They have a big four, and they're going to build around it. Um, so the, what's the best you can do for Goran? I mean, I, can you get a first round pick for Goran Dragic without taking much back? And would you do that? If you could get a protected first round pick, he, Pat's not going to do this, but if, if you, if you could, if you could get it and, and the rest of this, the trade is not harmful to you from mm-hmm. a cap perspective, would you do it? Um, yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I, to me, it was more, I was more thinking in the mold of, is there a playoff team that, is that that can use a player like Goran Dragic that might have a young piece that isn't ready for them yet. Uh, so I guess you go through it. Um, I think he'd be really good on Philly, but again, they just cashed everything. You know, like I, I would have done like Goran for my pickback, <laughs> my, my 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 pickback and expirings. But clearly, Philly has gone in the Tobias Harris direction, which fair play. I thought that was a great trade. Um, and then uh, so. Boston, we just went over that. They've got too many ball handlers. Uh, Toronto's got Lowry, and I mean they've got Fred Van Vliet. They've got plenty there. Milwaukee for me is 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 an interesting one. So uh, they've got Eric Bledsoe right now, um, and they've got you know George Hill uh, who's on an expiring deal. Um, is there? Would you do uh, like George Hill, Thon Maker, and a first round pick for Goran Dragic if you're if if, if you're both sides? Um, all right, let's look at it from Milwaukee's perspective. It's Milwaukee's perspective. I probably would. He's definitely an upside from from George mm-hmm. Hill. Um, and and you and you can give them Ellington too, so you can save a little bit on money as well. Right. Uh, I would look at it from Milwaukee's from from the Heat's perspective. Well, actually, you know you know what? I, that you, so damn damn rules. George Hill cannot be traded in combination with another player. So you, so you couldn't do uh, Hill Hill and Maker. You can do uh, Bledsoe he, and Maker, but I don't know why Milwaukee would do that. So, much. so yeah, stupid. I, <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> I, so, uh, all right. So you probably can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I look at it over, to me, if you're going to trade Goran, you got to get a first back. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if they, you traded two firsts to get him. Uh, he's not a problem on the roster, except for you're trying to turn the, the reins over to Winslow, but you need two point guards anyway. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's one of the lessons of the past couple of heat years. You need two guys in the backcourt who can initiate offense. So you're not relying on James Johnson to do it. Okay. And Dwayne's not going to be here next year. So I, I think, and, and waiters is somebody you don't want doing it consistently, even if he's here. So, uh, you know, I, I think Goran still holds value to you. So you can't be giving him away for a second, right. Or two seconds. Agreed. I, I, I think you have to get a first round pick for him. I don't know that he can be used to upgrade your roster, 
but he could be used to upgrade your future. And if you can get that, I think you need to look at it. Last one, you touched on this a little bit. I, I think this is ultimately what's going to happen, and this is going to be it, is I think they're going to end up trading Ellington for a second-round pick somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, restocking there. And, and, and why not Roddy Magruder for a second-round pick? Right. I, I would do that, too. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Can you get a second-round pick for Roddy right now? Um, you can I mean, for Wayne, but what it, what is the skills? I like Roddy Magruder, okay? I, to me, he's an 11th, 10th or 11th man. He's a good man to have on the team. Uh, he's a good team guy, et cetera. But what is the skill set that Roddy Magruder is bringing you that's going to help you in the postseason? Defense, uh, what, defense, switchability. Uh, uh, you know, it, four, I, no, I, I understand. Um, but I, I think uh, you know he 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 did pretty well defensively on wings. He's a decent enough three point shooter that he can stay on the floor. Um, I, I I think that if you're if you're a playoff team with a second round pick that's probably going to be in the fifties, um, I, I I think you can you can do worse than Rodney Magruder as 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 another guy, right? If you're um, I mean, you know, Philly needs guys. Uh, Golden State needs guys. Um, I, I think I think that there are teams out there. Uh, Houston needs guys. Uh, but is he, I, but is, but is he gonna is he gonna be better than anything that's bought out? Like you mentioned, West Matthews. Yeah, who's not what he was, but he's not better than West Matthews. Agreed. Like. I mean, so if there are two or three of those guards that are out there, then and and there's going to be more. Like we're talking about it now. Like we're thinking, okay, who's it going to be? If there are more trades made by Thursday's deadline, there are going to be more guys bought out. I mean, look, DeAndre Jordan's probably going to be on the market. I think ultimately, yeah. right? I mean, that's not a player that. I mean, he's not not replacing Rodney Magruder because he plays a different position. But there's going to be guys who are just cut loose. They're just you know they're they're put in deals to make the money work, and there usually are four or five guys. Some of them don't work out, but. Still, um, they're going to be more attractive to a team than Magruder. He's not a young, young player. You've pretty much seen what his upside is. He got overplayed by the Heat early this season, which brought out some of the, the faults and the flaws that he has. Like I said, he's a useful guy to have in your organization. I like him, but I, I don't know that you can get much for him. I don't. In other words, I don't know that that's a sweetener necessarily for a team. Wayne is elite at what he does when he's getting the minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are going to be teams out there that are interested. But again, we just saw the Lakers go for Reggie Bullock and there will be other shooters on the market too. So I, I don't think you're getting a first for Wayne. Um, I think the way that the Heat have used him this year has not helped that at all, uh, where the Heat have kind of make it clear that they don't trust him defensively, so they're not going to play him. The shooting will come back, but the other things I think have been accentuated and it sort of showed why Wayne's played for so many teams. So I think what we're looking at is they're going to get under the tax as much as they can or as close to it as they can. They're going to trade Ellington. Uh, Hopefully they get a second round pick for him. Hopefully it's not just to get under the tax that we're going to staple a better pick than we're getting back. Uh, that's concerning, um, and that's not going to go over particularly well, but I think that's pretty much where we're headed. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we go. So that's what I wanted to get to. Yeah, th- that's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. 35 35 wow. to get out of here. Oh, yeah, I had three rushing and two passing on them, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> had hands in all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered I remember that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. I think I think this is a, a Wayne Ellington trade deadline. It's a get under the tax trade deadline. Uh, there's going to be any number of teams. I think you probably if you include, let's say Ellington and Magruder is a package. Um, you've got seven point eight million dollars to work with uh, to basically take back. Let's say four. So they are right now. The Heat are s- about six million over the tax, which again is incredible considering how average their team is. Um, but I mean, maybe maybe all you take is you know one one contract just to you know uh, if you if, if, you know fill it out in a second round pick. Like if if you're the Heat, would you you know do like Ellington? I, this probably wouldn't work for Houston. I just I just happen to have Houston up. So uh, so I, would you do like Ellington and Magruder for you know the expiring of Gerald Green? But I mean. Uh, Houston can't do that um, because they're they're over the tax too, so they can't take on more money. But just a, a team that can take that on and give you a second round pick and be done with it, I think that's probably what he'd end up doing. Yeah, I think that's it. And and so, what is going to be the fan reaction to that? 
I think I, I think know. the I, I mean the the fan reaction is it doesn't change right is that you know th- 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 this is where the Heat are as a team and uh, it's not going I think it's it only further crystallizes that this isn't going to change quickly and that it doesn't change until some guys become expirings or you have some internal improvement that somehow you convince the team to take it off your hands but if if a full trade season goes by a full off season goes by and you haven't been able to trade any of them clearly the league doesn't value your assets whatsoever and so that that it only gets further crystallized if he do nothing in this trade window and what is the attitude towards ownership because they're look fans were not happy during the big three era about the mike miller thing about the to a certain degree about the joel anthony thing they just weren't pleased about it because that was a contending team obviously and here it was you were trying to save money i think fans will understand this more because I don't think fans would pay luxury tax for this team, right? Yeah, so, I mean, so, it, it, so it's different. So I think it can be justified to a certain degree, but, but I also think that fans are going to look at this and they know the backstory here and they know, you know, that ownership was kind of pushing the Tyler Johnson match and, you know, that Riley was, you know, behind keeping Dion and all the rest of this, uh, that I, I do think that there's going to be some frustration with it in that sense that, Okay, basically, to me, yourself in a position where you have to basically cut tax to save yourself money. I I understand it. It's what I would do if I was Mickey at this point. But I think that there's going to be a lot of frustration with it. The only one who the only public facing, uh, you know, figure for the Miami Heat that regularly takes criticism from the fan base is Spolstra. Uh, because I, I don't I don't know why, but Which for whatever is, reason, uh, he he he's the one that always seems like when fans like there is a segment of fans uh, that like no one's calling for you know the Heat to fire Pat Riley or the Heat to change ownership like they do with other teams or or they're, they're well, just isn't... wait 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 hold on uh, they're starting to I mean it's the deep recesses of Heat Twitter but it's out there I, Chris I fire fire Pat Riley no no not fire him but sort of move him off into the sunset a little bit. <laughs> When, when I when I put I mean Shula him essentially okay when when I put up a poll no no but no but Shula Shula is an entirely different thing like that there was a groundswell there was a, it was a prevailing opinion that Don Shula should be fired whereas there there's no one who I I I don't think that's like seriously saying that as as a stance like there is no groundswell there if you did polling and go should should Pat Riley be fired like Don Shula was fired. Like no one's saying that about Pat Riley, um, which you know I guess it's going to take many more years of disappointment that I think you know led to Shula getting fired, which is you have Marino in his prime and you can't win. Um, yeah, at least when they had LeBron in his prime, they won. Uh, but I, although I, Shula, although Shula was twelve games over five hundred his last four years, right? But but I, but I I did poll this the other day, and I didn't poll should Pat be fired. I haven't gone that far, but I polled after the I think it was after the Chicago game or maybe it was the Indiana game. Who's most at fault for this? Pick one, because I have this segment uh, on Twitter and we can say that, you know, Twitter polls are not scientific. I understand that. Uh, But also the people who tend to follow this particular account, which I run, are heat like like they're the ones who tweet off every play of every game. That's who's following us. I mean, these are the most passionate. This is not the person you run into in the coffee shop and they're like, oh, you know, you know, fire Pat Riley. Right, right. These, these are people who follow it closely. And I said, who do you choose? I got more than a, a thousand votes on this and 85% blame Riley, mm-hmm. not Spolstra, which so, again, so, so if you, so if- surprised me a little bit because there's a contingent. It's a very, it's small, but it's extraordinarily vocal mm-hmm. that blames Spo for everything. Okay. And in this particular case, 85% of more than, you know, mm-hmm. again, more than a thousand people, you know, said Riley. So I, I don't think I don't think he's coming out of this blameless. I, I do think 2016 really hurt him with some people because he he lost the Wade, you know, public relations war uh, at that point. Now it's been patched to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but then the recovery was you know paying Tyler Johnson again. I know that was more Arison, but you know paying Whiteside. Okay, some of us understood it, but they prioritized Hassan. They made Dwayne wait and. We can argue with I know you've argued that it ended up working out and that you got Dwayne at this rate. And isn't it great? It worked out at the time, though, the idea of prioritizing a son Whiteside over Dwayne Wade was anathema to, you know, most Heat fans. OK, particularly that, you know, the way that Dwayne reacted to it and the way that people around the league reacted to it. So and then the waiters and, and James Johnson things, which made everything worse. So I, I feel like in the blame meter here, I feel like it's Pat first right now. I do think there's a contingent that makes it Spo because they see him every night 
and they're frustrated with the inconsistencies of this mm-hmm. team and with who he's playing and not playing. And I don't know how you choose between players on this roster other than doing what I said yesterday, which is Draw you get the rotation down to eight. <laughs> right. Well, right. But you get the rotation down to eight. So basically when Derek Jones Jr. is back and when Dragic are back, I would play the three kids, Wade, Olenek, uh, Whiteside, and uh, Dragic and DJJ. Okay, and and I I don't play James Johnson. I don't play Deion Waiters. I play Tyler Johnson in spots. I don't play Magruder for now. And if you had him, I only play Ellington in spots. I I simplify this and I I get it down to eight instead of 13 because in the playoffs, you don't play 12 anyway. You don't play 10. You play eight or nine. And so I feel like getting more reps for the guys who are slightly better than your other players is more important than showing how much depth you have and trying to justify these contracts. So that's what I would do. I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if what the influence of the front office has been on this, that we need to play Dion waiters, right? Because clearly Spo doesn't seem to want to. Okay. But, but he has at times because we need to sort of try to get value out of that contract, or we need to play James Johnson at the four or whatever. I don't know how many of these decisions he's being pressured on. I, I don't have inside information on that, but that happens. Okay. That happens. And so I do think he's second. I think Mickey's probably third. And I think everybody else is beyond that. Like, I don't think anybody blames Andy but, Ellisberg. But, but what I'm saying is, is that in the end, there just isn't going to be a groundswell to fire Pat Riley. So I guess you're just kind of left, uh, you're, you're left to wonder, um, what, you know, like, how is this going to change? And the answer is probably won't. And so I guess, you know, when, when do you figure out um, how, how you're going to change the, the, the perception of all this and what you're going to do other than pulling off a big move and start winning games in a big way? So uh, to me, when, when you're overall looking at this from a, from a bigger picture, I, I just don't think that there's really going to be any blame because the Heat aren't a team that fires people and the Heat have earned enough credibility and frankly they should have this credibility from I don't know building the big three uh to to basically have you know a a period in which you know the the fans don't really hold them accountable to that degree where jobs are lost on account of you know of bad decisions so it is it is kind of a bizarre situation in that it's clearly been screwed up but no one's really going to be held responsible for it to the degree of their jobs. That's so unique in the world of sports. Is there any other situation like this, right? Like, um, like if Bill Belichick went six and ten for four years, he might have this, but that doesn't happen. The 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 you know the San Antonio Spurs in the Popovich era have not had this swoon where you know for a four year period they're in and out of the playoffs and and they're they're just so they're they're average and and so you just you don't see situations where you know coaches and front office staff that have the credibility of the fan bases then struggle with it and don't get fired and and, and aren't really going to be held responsible for with their job. So I guess really the ultimate response of the fan base is to just shrug your shoulders and go, oh, I guess I'll wait it out. But that kind of leads to apathy that, we talk, that we've talked about with other teams in the interim. And you wonder, yeah. you know, what the status of the sellout streak is, what the status of, you know, selling out season tickets is and, and, and TV ratings and, and all that stuff is going to happen for the franchise. Because I think right now the answer is just, eh, just wait. I think they're trying to distract people is what they're trying to do this right. year. So, Which is so a decent the fir- tactic. Well, the first distraction was Dwayne. Uh, the second distraction was the vice jerseys. The new distraction was, we talked about it the other day, you know, releasing the Chris Bosh retirement uh, ceremony or information at, you know, 30 minutes before the Dolphins were introducing their head coach. Uh, and now it's pretty clear that Bosch is going to get a job in the organization. And so, you know, there's going to be that. And, and when you retire his jersey, they're just creating distractions. It's, and it go, you go all the way back to pre-Big 3 and even pre-sort of Dwayne's come up which is when they were, you know, retiring Dan Marino's jersey and putting Michael Jordan's jersey in the rafters. Like, this has come full circle. Like, this is an organization that fired its season ticket staff, right? Because they didn't need them anymore, right? Yeah. Remember the big three? Yes. Like, they, they literally laid them off. Like, we don't need you. Like, our tickets are selling themselves, and they're going to sell themselves for as long as LeBron James is here. All, so we, all, we, need, all we need is a website. <laughs> that, that's it. And, and now this is an organization that is releasing information about Chris Bosch getting his jersey retired, which, again, I'm in favor of, but releasing a 30 – when the Dolphins – this was not, like, an impromptu, like, Adam Gase's fired press conference. This was, you know, a head coach everybody knew was coming to the Dolphins for three weeks, and they released the time 
that morning, right? Four o'clock and the heat didn't decide to wait a day or maybe put it out at 11 a.m. So it wasn't like right. Be- I mean, there were reporters uh, the great Barry Jackson was sitting next to me in the Flores press conference, banging away at a Chris Bosch story, which did two things. One, it was kind of weak, in my opinion, because the Heat don't do that kind of stuff to other organizations. Other organizations do that to them. But also, it took away from the Bosch announcement. Like, if you're trying to get, you know, attention for that, like, why do it on the day that the Dolphins had coaches introduced? Like, it would have been a much bigger deal than, you know, Barry Jackson just filing 12 inches in his daily column. So uh, they've been put in a weird position. The marketing staff has been put in a weird position because they have to create buzz where there is none. And with the heat before it was there's too much buzz everybody's following us around the country it's crazy and all the rest of that and we're too much media and they've gone totally the other direction and so i guess to close this i don't think anything's going to happen between us taping this and thursday was it thursday at three o'clock there's a deadline four o'clock something like that or i don't think anything is going to happen that is going to change the heat in any significant way i think all it's going to do is create you know, a little bit more money back in Nick Harrison's pockets, which again, I don't disparage him for because I wouldn't pay tax for this team either. And hopefully you can get a second round pick out of it that allows you to, you know, to flip that for something else. And, you know, but I would like to hear from Pat Riley this week. I mean, I, usually he talks after the trade deadline. Now the Heat are on the road, so there's not going to be any kind of a press conference, but I would assume there'll be a conference call. And, and I, I do believe that some of the reporters in that call, some, not all, some will press him on you know exactly what has happened here and and knowing pat's history he's not particularly defensive about these things like pat riley has a history of sort of killing himself before you can kill him and, and i think <laughs> he's take the bullet for this I, I i do i i don't i don't think he's even gonna you know pin one of the contracts on somebody else i think he's gonna say you know we we brought in these guys we thought it would work out better in terms of this but we're just not in a flexible position we're trying to create flexibility for the future i i think that's the direction it probably goes Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.